You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. All right, all right. Welcome. So glad you guys are here. My name is Bill Vecchio, one of the pastors here. Um, and uh, we're celebrating Memorial Day weekend. So excited um, to, to be remembering what God has done in the life of our country, uh, especially uh, remembering those that have given their lives to us. So if you here have served uh, in our military and have served our country, would you either be comfortable raising your hand or um, just standing for us? Uh, we want to celebrate you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Praise God. Um, I, I was uh, out Outback this week, and uh, a Vietnam veteran came walking in, and he was wearing a, a hat, and I just said, sir, thank you so much for your service. And he said, you know what? I would do it over and over again if I had to. Um, man, I just love that heart um, to protect our freedoms um, so that we can be here right now worshiping God in this place in, in total freedom where we're not in fear that someone's going to come through the back door and lock us all up. Um, you have fought for that, and we have um, some uh, amazing, faithful men and women in our country that have given their lives for that. Um, so what I want to do uh, just in this moment is just take a moment of silence, uh, and then I'm going to open us in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to come here today uh, in freedom. God, I pray that we don't take that for granted. I pray that we would uh, remember those that have given their lives for us um, in service, in serving our country, in serving our freedom, in fighting so that we um, can worship you, uh, that we can know you, that we can freely talk about you. Uh, and uh, God, uh, just this weekend I know can be uh, a weekend of joy and barbecues and hanging out with family, but at the same time, there's also hurt and pain for those that have been lost. And so, God, I pray uh, that we would celebrate and remember well. Um, God, I thank you even for both of my grandfathers that have served. Um, and um, God, we just continue to uh, pray that this morning that you would do only what you can do and open up our hearts, our minds to the truth of your word that ultimately you have come to bring us freedom in you. Uh, so that we are no longer slaves to our sin, no more, no longer slaves to our shame, uh, but we are free uh, because of what Jesus has done for us on our behalf. Um, and so, God, we thank you uh, for the representation of the gospel through those that have served and given their lives, um, that your son has come to serve us and give his life so that we may have life in you. We love you. We open up your word now, Lord. Speak to us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're in a DNA series talking about our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples. And this is not just our mission. We, we weren't sitting in a room one day like trying to be super creative and go, hey, let's come up with a catch line. Um, these are God's words. He gives them to us through Jesus. Jesus says, uh, a Pharisee comes and asks Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, love others as yourself. And then when Jesus was commissioning his disciples, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so for us, this is just a mission that we have been given to by God. It's his mission, and we get to join him on his mission. Um, and so if you're new here today, we want to welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us. I know that coming to a new church, um, and then maybe even for some that have never even been to church, 
coming to a place like this can be super intimidating. Uh, there are people that are singing songs. That's not like a normal gathering thing in our, our, our culture, right? We could go to a movie theater and everybody's not going to sing up and sing a chorus together, um, right? You're not going to walk into a bar and, and to watch a game and, and a bunch of people are just going to stand up, I mean, unless they're chanting something. Um, but we, that's not a normal thing in our culture. So to come to a place like this, I, wanna, I just want to welcome you and say thank you. Um, this is a place to uh, feel safe um, and to know that there is a God who loves you and he wants a relationship with you. This isn't about a religion to follow. It's about a relationship that God has prepared for you through Jesus. And hopefully today as we talk about the last part of our mission to make disciples, that you would hear and know and understand that, that God is madly in love with you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know him, um, and he wants to reveal himself to you. So I'm super excited about this morning, the opportunity we have to dive into the word of God. So um, to set up our morning, I would love to uh, share an analogy. I actually heard this week, um, I was listening to uh, another pastor, and he was sharing this story, and I thought it was such a good analogy from history. Uh, during the Civil War, towards the end of the Civil War, there was a soldier that was super discouraged. I don't know what side of the fight he was on, uh, but he was discouraged, and he went to go try to get an audience with Abraham Lincoln, who was the leader at the time. And so he went to where Abraham Lincoln was, and he tried to get an audience with him, and the soldiers that were guarding Abraham Lincoln wouldn't let him. So they crossed their bayonets, and every time he tried to go in and try to convince them and plead his case before them that he wanted an audience with Abraham Lincoln, they would not allow him. And so they crossed their bayonets, and they wouldn't let him in. And so super discouraged, he went, and he sat down, um, and then this little boy walked up to him. And he saw how distraught he was, and he said, hey, what's going on? And, and the soldier shared his story and what was going on. And the little boy looked at him and said, come with me. Took the, the man by the hand, the soldier by the hand, and walked up towards where these guards were guarding Abraham Lincoln. And as soon as this little boy walked up, these two soldiers stepped away, uncrossed their bayonets, and let this little boy through with the soldier. And he walked right in to where the president was. Um, and it was Abraham Lincoln's son, Tag Lincoln. And, and so I think this is such a great analogy because this is what Jesus has done for every single person that has placed their faith in him. That Jesus has seen us in our brokenness, in our discouragement, in our hopelessness, and he has taken us by the hand, and he has ushered us before the Father, God, the creator of all things, the creator of the universe, and he has allowed us to have an audience with him. And we are now fully accepted by the God of the universe because of Jesus. And what the Bible says is that when we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and he welcomes us into relationship with him when we believe that he is our Lord and our Savior. And the Bible calls that adoption, that we are now adopted as sons and daughters. So no longer are we enemies of God, but now we are children of God. This is huge because Christ didn't come to make bad people good. And I think in, in, in society today and um, in our world and in our neighborhood, I think that there are a lot of people that would say that, that Christ came so that bad people could become good. But Christ didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. He came to make people who were enemies his children. And so once you profess faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, you become a child of God as well, adopted into his kingdom as his heir. So now you have the ability, just like Tag Lincoln did, to go and find others that are discouraged and hopeless and broken and take them by the hand and usher them 
to the God of the universe. Because you too now have that access, just like Jesus does. Does that make sense? So when we talk about making disciples, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about you and me going and finding those that are hopeless and broken and, um, and maybe uh, even unknowingly, because I think we live uh, in, a, in a world today where people think that if you just have it all together and, and you're successful, then you don't need God. But to find people who are dead in their trespasses, as the Bible says, and to share with them that there is something greater there for them, to take them by the hand and usher them into the presence of God Almighty, because you have access. And so that's when we start talking about making disciples, that's the, the foundation that I want us to have in our minds as we go into this. And there are two passages of Scripture where we see this command come forth. And these are very famous passages of Scripture. And I think one of the things that we can do is we, we, uh, if we've grown up in the church or we've been around the church or you listen to YFM, um, you can hear these things uh, read over and over again and you can begin to tune them out like my kids can tune out my no, right? It's over and over again. It's like, can I have a candy? No, 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 right? And they, it's like, did you not hear me say no? Um, and so I think we can tune this stuff out, but I want us to try in some way to listen to this with some fresh ears um, and, and fresh eyes and ask the Spirit to illuminate to us something new this morning. And so Matthew 28, 19 is a verse that Jesus is speaking over his disciples after Jesus died, rose again. Now he's commissioning them. He's commanding them to go do something. He says, go therefore, another translation, in your going, everywhere you go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then in Acts 1.8, this is... Uh, after the, the Gospels, this is where the Holy Spirit become, be, comes in and begins to um, enter into the hearts and the minds of, of believers. And then uh, Jesus uh, returns and re reveals himself to the disciples. And he says this in Acts 1.8. But you, Christian believer, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to just give us some observations, three observations that we see in these short, short verses about what it looks like to make disciples. Sound good? I'm pumped. I'm excited. All right, here we go. First thing, it's not your message. I know that that can sound super elementary, but we get this terribly wrong. It's not our message. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses. This is Jesus speaking. We are coming to witness him, not our own agenda, not our own words, not our own cleverness. It's his message. Matthew 28.19, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Not teach them to observe everything that you want others to do. Teach you to observe all that I have commanded you. See, this message is God's message alone. The message is about Jesus. He brought reconciliation and forgiveness to all people because of what he has done. And what I think the human nature has done is we have inserted a whole bunch of other things in here that aren't in here. We've tried to make this say things and convince people of things that has, it's not in here. All of this, see, let's go Old Testament. All of this 
points to the person of Jesus. All of this tells us about the person of Jesus. It's about him. It's his story. But what we have done, and a lot of people have done over the years, is they've inserted their own thoughts and their own opinions into this. We cannot do that. If we are going to make disciples, it is about his message and his message alone. We have to stop adding to it. It's like this. I play uh, games with my girls all the time. Some of my favorites, we got Monopoly. Anybody? Let's interact. Whoa. Back off. I'll judge you right back. All right, here we go. So uh, let's hear it. Let's just be positive here, people. Um, let's uh, cheer if you like the game. Monopoly. All right, there we go. No naysayers. All right. All right. Risk? Yes. My favorite game. Come on, people. What about Clue? Anybody remember Clue? Yeah. All right. Sweet. You got a lot of murderers here. All right. So guilty parties. Um, it would be super foolish if I was trying to teach my girls to play Clue and I broke out the Monopoly instructions, correct? Then why in the world would I try to disciple somebody in the Word of God and then all of a sudden start inserting the rule books of other things into here? Think about that. Because that's what we've done. We've started adding, and this is what the Pharisees did. We start adding stuff to this because we have our own agenda and our own thoughts, and we start adding to the Word of God and putting different rules in here that's never meant to be in here. This is the story of Jesus. It's about him and him alone. His way, not our way. And we have to stop adding to this. So there's so many things that we see um, that our culture adds into this, like um, things that people say in times of hurt and pain, um, but we try to comfort people with things that aren't found in Scripture, um, we're really confusing the world around us if we're really supposed to be believers that are speaking life over people through the person of Jesus. So when, when somebody passes away, have you ever heard anybody say, heaven gained another angel? Ever hear somebody say that? There's nowhere in Scripture where it says humans are going to turn into angels. And we somehow think that we're going to comfort somebody with something that's not truth from the Word of God. Like, in fact, the Bible even says that, that angels will, uh, in some ways, be uh, uh, probably the wrong word to use, but jealous of us as humans. Um, because we have known the saving power of, of Christ himself. They didn't know that. And so we, we say, having gained another angel, but that's not true. And we just insert it in here as if it's no big deal. Or another thing that we say in our culture, God wants me to be happy. Ever hear that one? That's a lie. God is way more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. But we just insert it into here as if, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not happy in my marriage, so God wants me to be happy, so God is way more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. Another one. God won't give me more than I can handle. That's not true. The verse that we're misquoting when we're talking about God not giving you more than him is actually about temptation. 1 Corinthians um, says that, that, that when there's temptation around us, that God will always provide a way out. He will not tempt you beyond what you can bear. But in 2 Corinthians, in the first chapter, we see Paul say that he was being persecuted and hurt in such a way that it was more than he could bear, that he even desired death itself. But the reason why that happened is so that he could depend fully in God alone. And so, 
the Christian life is about full dependence on God, not self-sufficiency. But we've made it in our culture. We've just inserted these, these other things into here, trying to make things sound a little bit more palatable. Maybe, maybe we think that we're doing somebody a favor by saying something that's not true. We have to stop it. We have to stop adding to this. Like This is completely perfect by itself. We don't have to make things up and try to add them to this. If I think that, that my whimsy or my, um, my, my ability to be clever is going to convince anybody of this, I'm fooling myself. God himself, through the power of the Holy Spirit, chose men to pen his words on paper so that we can know who he is, so we can know his love for us. Let's stop adding to it. If we're going to make disciples, we have to stop adding to this and start knowing this. In fact, I think many of us know the one-off statements that we hear on like Way FM and things like that more so than we know the actual word of God. And that's a dangerous place to be. So beloved Christian, know this. Know what this is. Get away with this by yourself. Don't believe my word for it. Pick up your Bible and read it. Because God has something beautiful to share with you. Because he knows you and wants you to know him. It's not your message. Second thing. It's not your power. It's not your power. Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If you've professed faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Bible says believe and be baptized, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And so, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Matthew 28.20. I am with you always. Spirit of God with you, always. See, it's not your power. And I think um, we think sometimes that we can convince others about Jesus and, and that we can play a part in changing somebody else's heart. I know I try to do it with my kids all the time, right? I'm like, you're a sinner, um, and I want them to stop misbehaving, or I want them to stop doing something I don't want them to do, but I can't be the one to bring them from death to life. I may be able to help them a little bit with behavior modification, but the gospel is not about behavior modification. It's about a surrender to the good news of Jesus. And so it's not your power. It's not about how clever or smart or whimsy you are. And this is so free, freeing because God is in the salvation business. We're supposed to be holding and taking people by the hand and walking them to God, and God is the one who saves. So it's not your power. So um, I, I love the verse that says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. There are people in your life that you love. There are people in your life that you like. If there are people in your life that maybe you can't even tolerate, instead of trying to convince them of something, why don't you and me, why don't we get on our knees before a holy God and pray that God would do only what he can do and change and transform their hearts to know him so that they can love him? We spend way too much time trying to use our mouths and too little time on our knees begging God to change and transform the hearts of people around us. God says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. It is God's desire that every man, woman, and child know who he is and be in relationship with him. We are the ones that get the opportunity to be his vessel to bring that message to the world. So 
Our job is to just plant seed. Be the gospel around in people. So it's not your message. It's not your power. And here's the last one. It's everywhere you go. And I think this is important because I think sometimes we feel like we can turn it on and off. Like there are certain places I go where I can't be the gospel, and then there's certain places that I go that I can be, especially if you work a secular job. I think if you work a secular job, we're so, uh, for some reason, concerned about like what's going to happen to us that we um, are, are going into those secular jobs and we're, we're, we're going, oh, we can't, we can't be the gospel there because I can't. It's, it's illegal. I have a secular job. I, I work in the workplace, so this isn't my full-time job. I understand that when you're, when you're in a culture that um, there are rules and regulations between church and state and all those things, but I think we've built up in our own minds and our own hearts what those rules and regulations are, and they're not even real, or as real as we maybe think they are. We have the ability to love people well. We have the ability to share what God has done in our lives. I'm not saying you can go into your workplace with your Bible and start smacking people over the head with it. You probably will get in trouble for that. But you can go in and love people like God has loved you and given your life down for them. And you can go in and share what God is doing in your life and in your family. And so it's everywhere you go. Acts 1.8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Matthew 28.19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You and I, we don't get to pick who, what, when, where, why, how. Everywhere we go, the Bible says, we are a light in the midst of darkness. And I love that song that I sing to my girls tonight, right? This little light of mine, right? Hide it under a bushel. Why? Because it would be foolish to take a light and put it under a basket. The parable Jesus says, because no one does that. No one lights a light and then puts it under a basket. We, the church, have the light of Christ in us. And it's everywhere we go. So if it's the gym, if it's Starbucks, if it's um, our workplace, if it's our neighborhood HOA meeting, right? No matter where it is. I know that, that people think that you, that's a void place of God, right? HOA, HOA meeting. It's not. Like we have the ability to be the light in the midst of darkness everywhere we go. And we don't pick and choose whether we can turn it on or turn it off. If we profess faith in Jesus, our Lord and Savior, it's on. Always. And too often, we're the ones that quench that light or hide that light for fear that something may happen to us. God is our protector. And so we can go with confidence and bring a good news message. Again, if we're bringing the news of bad people to good or religion to people, that's a whole different story. And we don't have time to get into all that. Christ has come to establish a relationship. He's came, come to transform people. And so we have that message of hope for the world. And so um, I think one of the things that I think I want us to think about in it's everywhere you go, because I think the tangible implications of what it looks like to make disciples in the workplace or in places like, especially if you're like on a university campus and you feel like there's all these regulations of, of what that looks like, We share what we enjoy, and we enjoy what we experience. If we're in a relationship with God, and we're enjoying God, there's no way you can contain that. 
it just overflows out of you. So you ever go out to dinner with uh, friends of yours, and so say my wife and I go out with, with uh, some of our best friends, and uh, we, we sit down to dinner, and um, I'm, I'm tossed between two different items on the menu. And so um, I, I'm like, I don't know which one, I don't know which one, and finally I pick the one that I always go with, right, chicken parmesan. And then our friends, our neighbor, pick uh, the other meal that I had. And then the whole meal, they're sitting there going, oh, mmm, oh, this is so good, right? Mmm, oh, man, oh, this is the best blah, blah, blah that I've ever had. Isn't like the stuff in front of you, doesn't it become slop, right? You're like, oh, man, I don't want this anymore, right? You're like trying to convince them to go have these with you. Like, hey, you want to go have these? Um, why? Because you're seeing them enjoy the goodness of that meal in front of you. That's what we're called to do. It goes everywhere with you because you're enjoying God in such a way that the world around you can't help but notice and look over and be like, what do you got? Because I want it. Does that make sense? And so if, uh, and here's, I want to segue that into just 20 years of being around ministry and being in ministry. I, I want to just share some observations real quick because I think that there's a few things that we can miss along the way. Um, when it comes to discipleship, you cannot lead someone to where you've never been. You cannot lead someone to where you've never been. I think the majority of the discipling crisis that we have in the church today uh, occurs because you've never been discipled. And if no one's ever discipled you, then you don't understand or know what it means to disciple somebody else. And, and if you don't really know and love Jesus, and have a relationship with Jesus, you can't lead somebody to have a relationship with Jesus. You can't lead someone to where you've never been. And I think that that's uh, it's just, it's just a thought and an idea because you could come to church and not be a Christian. Just like you can sit in a garage and not be a car. So I think that sometimes we um, are trying to fake it and wear a mask and act like we are in relationship with God when we have no relationship with God. You can't lead someone to where you've never been. Another musing would be, uh, you cannot share passionately about what you have not enjoyed. You cannot share passionately about what you have not enjoyed. Um, if Christianity to you is um, coming once in a while to uh, a church gathering because that's what your grandma told you to do when you were younger, um, and uh, so you come and you sit and you listen to the music and you leave, but you've never opened this for yourself or sat before God and prayed to him and, and have gotten to know him and, and, and sought him and, and actually asked somebody to disciple you and to help you understand the word of God, um, then you're not going to be able to share passionately about what you have not enjoyed. Another musing would be is that you cannot force someone into a discipling relationship. And if you've been in the church for a long period of time and you're super passionate, when I say make disciples, it like stirs something in you. Like this is Mark Cook right now. He's just like itching to stand up and say something right now. Like he just loves when people talk about making disciples. But you can't force somebody into a discipling relationship. And, and I've spent a lot of my ministry career trying to force people who don't, do not even know Jesus to be disciples. And so I want us to be careful and understand and know that we can't force someone into a discipling relationship. I know that in the course of my life, I've invited tons and tons of guys into discipling relationships, either to disciple me or to, for me to disciple them. And it's gone nowhere. 
but that should never stop. If you've, if you've got a story where it's like, man, every older man that I've pursued has let me down, well, then keep pursuing. Or every person I've asked if they want, you know, to meet up for coffee and I, I want to disciple somebody, they've just said no. Or we've met and then they never followed through. Keep asking. Don't stop. Don't stop asking. Don't be discouraged by a few failed attempts. Same thing if you've shared the gospel with somebody and they haven't received Christ as their Lord and Savior. Don't stop sharing the gospel. And so, um, Jesus, this happened to Jesus in his life. I don't know if you, if you have read the gospels. He's invited tons of people to follow him. I think one of the saddest ones was Nicodemus. Early on, he wanted Nicodemus to come and follow him as his disciple. And Nicodemus said no because of his prestige and his stature and his success as a religious leader of that day. And so, um, don't, you can't force somebody into a discipling relationship, but don't also set unrealistic expectations of people either in those relationships. It's like you get together with somebody and you're having coffee and, and you really feel like the Lord has, has brought you two together to invest in one another. Don't be like, okay, now we have to meet Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5.30. Um, and he's like, dude, I've got three kids and a wife and I've got to, you know, it's like, no, no, I, I need to be at your house every day for this to happen. Like, don't set unrealistic expectations either in these relationships. Like, work together and disciple one another. Another musing would be, you can't expect someone else to be the pursuer. I think this is a problem in the church today, is that everybody just expects that somebody else is going to be the pursuer. Like, in the church, when we talk about uh, community groups, we have community groups here at FMCC, all of a sudden, like, people think that it's our job as, as the FMCC leadership to reach out to you to get you plugged into a small group. If you want to be a part of a community group, come talk to us. Like you're, you're, you have to be the pursuer of these things. If you desire to be in a discipling relationship, there are tons of men and women in this church that would love to disciple you. There are. But be the pursuer. Be the one to ask the questions. There, there were so many people along the way that I just asked that, hey, would you grab coffee? Would you grab lunch? We got together, and I prayed through it. And there were some times that those lunches didn't go very well. At the end of it, I wasn't like, hey, disciple me. I know, I just... Hey, thanks for that. Great lunch. Great coffee. Um, but be the one to be the pursuer of those relationships. Don't just sit back and expect, I know that this is coming from an extrovert to some people that are introverts. I get that. But it's, this is the church. This is the family that God has called us all to be a part of, is pursue one another in relationship. And then the last thing is that discipleship is a two-way street. You will never sit across from anybody, no matter how young and how old, and not be able to learn something from them. One of the most impactful things in my life, I was 20-something years old, and I sat across a man who had been in ministry for 40 years. This man had a heart of gold, and it was, it, Jesus was just oozing out of him. I sat down for coffee, and I was so pumped, so excited, and the first thing he said to me, he looked at me, he goes, he goes, Bill, I want you to know something. I'm here to be discipled just as much as you're here to be discipled, and I know that you have things to teach me that, that I'm really excited to learn. And that blew me away. I was just a young kid early on in my faith journey. Like, what, what could you learn from me? We have to remember that discipleship is a two-way street. And that it doesn't matter how old or how young you are, you have something to bring because the Holy Spirit's inside of you if you're a believer. And so I know that these, this isn't like the stereotypical sermon, like here's my three points and then here's the takeaway. But I, I want us to understand that discipleship is, is a core part of the church. And I want us to understand that this is a command by Scripture. God himself said to his followers, go therefore and make disciples. And that's everybody. No one's excluded from this. This is a command to obey. This isn't an optional, yeah, if you get around to it in the course of your lifetime. And so if I had a response question, here it would be. 
who are you discipling and who's discipling you? Who are you discipling and who's discipling you? And if your answer is nobody for either one of those questions, then the follow-up would be why not? I remember we had our first kid, Selah, and Lauren and I, about three months in, we're going for a walk around our block, and we were just talking, and it was crazy, crazy season of life. Um, and I asked my wife, I said, hey, who are you discipling right now? She's like, seriously? She's had a baby. Like, calm down. Like, pump the brakes. Um, I'm like, no, like, this is what God has, like, he's invited us to be a part of this. Like, who are you discipling? She's like, nobody right now. And I'm like, well, let's start praying. Let's start praying that the Lord would bring somebody for you to be in a discipling relationship with. And so she said, okay, and we started praying for that. Was it that day or that day she got home and it was Facebook, right? Before Facebook was even a thing. Um, Some random girl from our church um, had messaged Lauren on Facebook and said, hey, I don't know why, but I was praying earlier today and God brought your name to my mind. I know we don't know each other, but I was wondering if you'd want to grab coffee. I'd love for you to disciple me. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If you're not discipling somebody and no one's discipling you, start praying that the Lord would bring those relationships. And then come talk to us. As your pastors, as your elders, we would love to sit down and walk through what this looks like and connect you with somebody that needs to be discipled. I love seeing a whole table of, of young professionals in this area. We need older men and women to come along and shepherd and disciple us. And there are a ton of older men and women here that love Jesus. We would love to see you step up and disciple one another. And so, um, just kind of bringing it all back around, just thinking about Tag Lincoln again. Um, You, as a child of God, have the most powerful, gracious, loving Father in the universe. Don't waste your life walking past people who are sitting on the side of the road discouraged and hopeless and helpless. Grab them by the hand and bring them to Jesus. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you for your word. Uh, I know that that was a lot. I know that the command to make disciples is something that we had talked about week in and week out and still um, struggled to do. And so, Father, um, I pray um, that you do only what you can do and, and help us to know and understand that none of us, God, are beyond being disciples. We all need, first and foremost, your spirit to be the primary discipler in our lives. We need to sit before your word, sit before you in prayer. And God, we need to be the church. We need to disciple one another, God. It is our heart and it is our desire. The whole reason why we started FMCC was so that we would be the type of church that would disciple one another. So God, only you can do that. So begin that process now, God. You say, ask and we shall receive, seek and we will find, knock and the door will be open. God, open that door right now that we would be the type of church that is known for how we disciple one another and lead people to your throne of grace with confidence. Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in your name that we pray.